This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week, so we have a guest today. It's Richard Rummel, acting black bear program leader at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. So bears are center stage today. How dangerous are they? What part of the state are you most likely to see a bear in? Do they really sweep through the whole winter season? And what do they have to do with rolling fork? Join the conversation this morning. Give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week, but we do have a guest in studio. It's Richard Rummel, acting black bear program leader at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. So bears are taking center stage on the show this morning. How dangerous are they? What part of the state are you most likely to see one in? Do they really sleep through the whole winter season? And what do bears have to do with rolling fork? You can join our conversation this morning with your questions and comments, a pet question or questions and comments about bears. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show. It's animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you that if you ever miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning. Hope that you both are doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Dr. Major, anything uh, interesting going on at the clinic? You know, there's always something interesting going on. It's what keeps you going, I guess. Nothing, no two days are the same. Uh, everything from C-sections to broken bones to uh, puppy-type diseases, uh, everything from wild distemper to, uh, you know, you name it, we see it. And uh, it's it's been a pretty typical fall so far. So um, is it uh, too early to start thinking about cooler weather and, and what we should do to help keep our pets uh, safe? You know, we generally have pretty mild winters here. Who knows what this winter will bring. But uh, you always remember, even in the summertime, shelter, food, water. And in the wintertime, you know, if it gets cold, obviously our animals need, if they're outside, they need plenty of shelter. Uh, and a way to get out of the wind and rain. But uh, it's, we'll, we'll kind of address that as, as the winter goes on. Uh, as I said, who knows how cold it's going to be this winter. That's true. We, we never know. Uh, it's, 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 it doesn't really feel like fall yet. It's, it's been a couple of days, uh, at least here in the central part of the state, but uh, still still quite warm. So uh, I think a lot of us are, are uh, look forward to the cooler temperatures in, in fall. But I don't know. Maybe we'll go directly from summer to winter. Who knows? Right. As I mentioned today, our guest is Richard Rummel. Richard, thanks for joining us again. Sure. Good to be here. If you would tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, growing up, were you always someone who enjoyed uh, the outdoors and exploring and that sort of thing? Oh yeah, I uh, I'm not sure when it started. I think my grandmother, who who we lived next to and lived with, uh, always kind of instilled in us a kind of a love for nature. She had uh, what was called her butterfly club. <laughs> All the local kids and 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 uh, and grandkids uh, went out collected butterflies, and and I didn't realize it at the time, but I guess that that's kind of when my love of nature started. So, um, as the Black Bear Program leader, what what are your jobs and uh, or, or job responsibilities? Uh, well, primarily, uh, I'm kind of in an acting role. Our our full time biologist um, left for another job uh, a few years ago, and so I've kind of been in an acting role for a few years. And my primary duties are to 
To keep up with the the bear sightings in the state, we have a database of any time a, a sighting is reported uh, to keep track of, of where that is, the circumstances, uh, all the details of it, uh, as well as to answer any uh, nuisance complaints or concerns when people see a bear, if, if one comes in their yard or any kind of concerns, if it's causing any damage. Uh, we respond quickly to that sort of thing, uh, as well as, as doing a little bit of field work. We're not that involved uh, with with active research. Uh, that's Mississippi State University, uh, who's been doing that for us for a number of years. Uh, but I still kind of like to get out in the woods and and, and uh, keep keep my hands on the pulse of things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is it primarily black bears here in Mississippi? Yes, uh, black bears, uh, grizzly bears don't occur anywhere near here. It's a uh, it's a black bear of the eastern United States. And obviously no polar bears here. No, obviously no polar bears. <laughs> Except at the Coke display at the grocery store. Right. <laughs> um, so, um, what? how would you describe the, the bear population in Mississippi? Well, it's growing. Um, and uh, we have some bears uh, that are radio collared, I think 16 now. And that gave us a pretty good idea a number of years ago when... When we first started radio collaring bears, maybe 10 to 12 years ago, prior to that, we would get sightings of of a bear. You know, whatever county, we'd get two or three sightings. Well, was that one bear? Was that two or three bears? Um, there was no way to really know. <clears throat> and then uh, when, when we actually started putting radio collars, capturing bears, putting radio collars, and determining that, you know, how many bears there were out there, um, of course, you're not going to get an accurate count that way, but it, get a better handle on things. And uh, so through the years, you know, maybe 15 years now, with our with our work and our uh, work with Mississippi State University, uh, we're getting getting a better handle on bears. One of the first things people ask me is how many bears there are in the state. That's a tough question. Uh, with an animal like that, that that's kind of uh, elusive and secretive, it's hard to uh, to get a good population number. Uh, in fact, uh, I always joke with with the researchers in Mississippi State. They won't uh, unless you've got a rigorous scientific uh, population estimate. They won't even give a number. But I think, from our agency standpoint, and uh, we need to, you know, the public needs to know an idea. And I think I think it's safe to say 150 bears that may give or take 25 or 50. <laughs> that's, you know, it's really hard. But uh, but based on the number of reports we get uh, daily, almost I receive pictures off of trail cam pictures uh, of uh, trail cameras uh, from hunting clubs, from folks that have cameras out, um, get pictures uh, all over the state almost and uh, and and areas that we know there have been bears in the past increasing number of bears um, and in the past couple of years uh, some of your listeners may recall you know there was a bear walking through Clinton I think it was last year or maybe the year before um, a bear walking through downtown Vicksburg a couple mm-hmm. of months back Um and so the population really uh, is growing. Again, we can't put an exact number, but but where we used to have what I call a coastal population, or that or that small population along the coast, and in those counties just north of there, we're seeing more bears getting more reports north, and actually uh, east central Mississippi along the Alabama border, uh, Lauderdale County, Meridian area, Kemper County up through there, we know that. Probably some of those bears are coming in from Alabama. Their population is growing. So we get bears coming from uh, the coastal area, moving up toward the central part of the state. Bears coming in from Louisiana and Arkansas on the western border and from Alabama. So they're kind of converging. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you were talking about those radio callers, and I guess it does, uh, as you said, sometimes when you had uh, reports, it's like, well, is that a different bear? Is that the same bear? These callers, I imagine, have a way to say that is that particular bear. And then also, I guess they help you track where the bears are going. Exactly. Uh, Every caller has a frequency, uh, just like this radio station. You know, you tune it on on your car or at home, tune, tune to that frequency. Uh, and that is that bear. Um, 
some of the some of the collars, the satellite collars, which are very expensive, thirty five hundred to four thousand dollars a piece, actually, uh, you know, send up a signal. The satellite goes straight to your laptop computer, and uh, depending on how it's programmed, you can look whether it's uh, four or five, you know, twice a day. Uh, then you'll get a reading and location, so it'll actually send that to your computer. Uh, otherwise, we have some GPS collars that are actually what we call store on board. Uh, when the bear is captured, the, the collar is is fitted on there, and generally the battery life is two to three years. So we know that you know we have to capture that bear again, and then that collar is actually literally plugged into a laptop computer, and all that data is downloaded. So you have all these points from a period of two years and can just track it out everywhere that bear's been in that period of time. And it's from earlier you were saying kind of where the bears were moving around. It sounds like <clears throat> that they have quite a range. What What's a typical maybe range for these bears? Uh, that all depends on basically the habitat quality, which also includes food. Um, with with males, it can be up to 20,000 acres or as little as, you know, four or 5,000 acres. Uh, females, a little less than that. They don't tend to roam uh, as far uh, far and wide as the males. Uh, but if they have what they need, um, you know, good food, shelter, um, you know, they don't they don't need 20,000 acres. Um, again, if they really have to search, if 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 they're trying to move from one big patch of woods to another, uh, they're going to range a little farther. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to continue our discussion about bears with our guest. Uh, and also, we're looking for your questions and comments this morning. It'd be about bears or about pets. Or maybe you've seen something when you've been out and about that you'd like to share with us. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Call us at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. The phone lines are open, so give us a call if you'd like to join in this morning. Back with more after this. Support for MPB comes from C Spire Business Solutions, helping businesses move into the future with next-generation fiber-optic Internet access. More at 855-C-SPIRE-2. C Spire, customer-inspired. Sometimes, something as simple as access is key to ensuring your family receives the best possible medical care. Unfortunately, many families face financial difficulties that can affect the health of their children. How does poverty impact your family or someone you know? This week on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, we'll be discussing the growing crisis of medical access with the president of the American Academy of Pediatrics, Dr. Bernard Dreyer. Hear Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week, but we do have a guest in studio today. It's Richard Rummel, the acting black bear program leader at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. So we're talking about bears this morning and also looking for any pet questions that you might have. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline dot org. So, uh, Richard, we were talking about uh, bears and a little bit about their range, and you mentioned uh, they're always looking for for good habitat, like most animals are out in the wild. What do bears like? What what are they looking for when it comes to habitat? 
Uh, generally, bears uh, are close to uh, bottomland hardwoods, or at least um, a water source, a permanent water source of some of some sort. And I say bottomland hardwoods. Uh, the coastal counties that's you know that's primarily pine, longleaf pine habitat, uh, but which they which they do occupy, but they are going to be close to a water source. Anything that that provides um, food, shelter, um, and I say food in in, in the spring when bears uh, become active before the fruits and nuts and berries are are on in the woods. Uh, they eat a lot of grass. They eat a lot of forbs and and you know succulent vegetation. You'll maybe see them out in a ryegrass field or something like that. But then the spring and summer comes on, um, they're eating more fruits and berries, what we call soft mast. Um, eat that through the summer months, and then um, then in the fall, as acorns come on, hickory nuts and that sort of thing. Uh, that's that's highly nutritious. Just a lot of calories they pack on, and then just gorge themselves on it. Um, so so they need a good food source. They need an area of uh, of cover where they can get a get away and feel secluded. Normally they don't. They prefer to be away from from humans um, unless there's something that is attracting them uh, to a camp or someone's yard that sort of thing. Um, and and what we've seen. One of the reasons for the uh, increase in the population over the years uh, has been an increase in habitat. A lot of the uh, marginal farmland, uh, particularly up through the delta or areas that that has been reforested, uh, you know, years ago when when the say the delta was was just a vast uh, bottomland hardwood. <clears throat> Uh, and then it was cleared for agriculture and that sort of thing, uh, which which we absolutely need. All the crops need the agriculture, but but there's some of that marginal farmland that say that was flooded, and uh, there are government programs that that are available, and um, and landowners were putting that land back into trees habitat. It's good not just for the bears, but for all wildlife, uh, a game species, deer and turkey and and squirrels and that sort of thing. Um, so that benefited uh, the bears as well. So it's good, though, I think, that that kind of uh, compromise, as you said, obviously we need the land for agriculture, but it's good to see that some of that land is being put back in uh, so that the, you know, that the wildlife that, that Mississippi is famous for uh, can continue to thrive. Mm-hmm. Looks like we got a couple questions on the line, so why don't we start on the phone lines by saying good morning to Ann in Clinton. Hello, Ann. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Uh, you know, we were told to dump all of our water standing because of the mosquitoes, and I usually keep a lot of, of uh, water for the birds, but I did have to dump it. Uh, and now the birds are coming back looking at exactly where I used to keep it, so I have to keep it water, you know, go out and put some water in it. Maybe everybody else needs to check whatever they were using to feed the birds water uh, because we've had this drought. That's that's a good thought. Uh, you know, again, uh, maybe to, just to keep an eye on it, uh, maybe change it out every couple of days. But uh, thanks for the call, Ann. But uh, obviously, as she's mentioned, the birds. Uh, you know, if you've had a bird bath or something before, there that's something they depend on as they look for water. And we have not had a lot of rain in Mississippi or for a number of weeks, so that's uh, something to keep in mind. Um, and let's move on again to the calls. We go to Louisiana. Timothy is called in today. Good morning, Timothy. Good morning, y'all. Years and years ago, heck, a lifetime ago, I was working on a towboat in the Mississippi. And I swear I saw a black bear swimming across the Mississippi. And I'm wondering how well they swim, you know. I mean, we couldn't do anything to stop and help him or her, as the case may be. But I just felt terrible seeing him out in the middle of the river like that. Was that an accident or on purpose, do you think? Uh, That was on purpose. Uh, bears swim very well. Uh, we know they swim the Mississippi River. If you work the Mississippi River, years ago uh, we were working up the Rosedale area, and we were uh, learning how to trap bears. We were going over to Big Island and Montgomery yeah, Island. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a lot of bears over there, and uh, we were working with the uh, Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. Uh, they were teaching us how to trap bears. We were going back and forth. And they had a radio-collared female bear that they documented swam the Mississippi River over 
south of Rosedale, and I can't remember now because it's been so many years ago. Uh, she had cubs, uh-huh. and they came with her. And after a period of time, she swam back across into Arkansas with those cubs and survived. Right. Now, right. you know, we'd go across those that that river up there, probably about a mile wide, in some big John boats carrying equipment. And uh, and you hit some of those currents, and it's like being on a on an ice skating rink, and that boat yes, goes. And you you just wonder how a bear can can survive going back and forth. And I'm sure there's been instances of maybe one drowning, but but we do know uh, definitely that they can swim. Yep, yep. And y'all y'all got a new and uh, uh, National Wildlife Refuge Center opening over there in Mississippi having to do with the black bear, do you not? Yes, sir. Actually, that's uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Uh, there are several uh, part of the uh, Theodore Roosevelt National Wildlife Refuge System, which is several uh, different pockets of land kind of scattered through the Delta. And uh, and they are opening, I don't know when the groundbreaking is, right around the onward Mississippi and Cherokee County uh, will be their visitor center. All right, that'll be wonderful. All right, Timothy, good to hear from you. Thanks for your call. Uh, I guess maybe the the paws, uh, the, the the bears are are big enough to where they make good flippers or something. I mean, do we have an ever, a, a better understanding of why they are such good swimmers? Uh, I'm not sure. They're probably fairly buoyant. I mean, they're big, but they do have their paws are are wide and and uh, and they're not webbed. But it's it's like a good paddle. If you're if you're a fisherman and know what a sculling paddle is on the front of a boat, you know it's probably the same type of same type of effect but it is interesting and that always amazed me we we do get reports every every once in a while and, and people will send us a picture of out in the middle of a river a bear swimming across but but when uh when we were able to document that that female with cubs on her back swimming to mississippi and then swimming back across now with the current i'm sure she didn't come out exactly directly across from where she went in. What about on land? I, I, I imagine they get around pretty good on, on land as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, uh, you know, bears can, it's, it's been clocked. Bears can run up to 30 miles an hour. Now that's normally, you know, not their pace. They're normally just walking. They're normally walking around looking for something to eat uh, <laughs> at, at a slow walk, we call it, in, in the business. All right. Got another caller on the line. We're going to go Shay this time as we say good morning to Harry. Go ahead, Harry. Hey, good morning. Morning. I was just, uh, this is, brings back a lot of old memories for me. I uh, lived at Delta State University in 1999 and 2000, and I was a co-op uh, biotech for the uh, Fish and Wildlife Service over at Dahomey Wildlife Refuge. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had done a previous uh, biotech radio telemetry tracking down at the Sandhill Crane Refuge. So when we got there, it was a first reintroduction. I think the bear came from Louisiana that was collared and uh, was turned loose into that area. And uh, the main reason my uh, refuge manager really wanted the bear there was we were having such a hard time with the uh, uh, beavers. We were trying to restore the bottomland hardwoods at the Homey Wildlife Refuge, and the beaver population had just taken over the area. And one of my main jobs, back-breaking jobs, was having to bust up beaver dams all the time. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my refuge manager said, well, we can get some bears here. Um, so I just wanted you to comment on the benefits of uh, the bear population to the ecosystems of Mississippi, not just the bottomland hardwoods, but the rest of the areas that they're inhabiting, because there are a lot of benefits to bear, the bear population will bring to the Mississippi uh, forests and the ecosystems that we have here. And I just I'll hang up and listen to you guys. Y'all right. have a good day. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Um, you know, we Contrary to, to popular belief with a lot of people, we have never introduced bears into Mississippi. Uh, back in about 1934, uh, right about the time our agency was being formed, the three pairs of bears, so I guess six bears, were brought in and uh, and introduced, and they didn't last long. So that was back in the, in the early 30s. Uh, and like I said, a lot of people think that that we have brought in. We haven't. Those the the population that has increased 
uh, in that area where Dahomey is and um, the north and south delta and then basically along the Mississippi River down Vicksburg, down to Wilkinson County. Um, some of those bears have come across from Arkansas, uh, southeast Arkansas, and uh, northern northeast Louisiana as those populations have expanded. And I was mentioning a while ago about females swimming. Uh, historically and for the past, you know, 75 to 100 years, pretty much the bears in Mississippi that we've documented have been males, have been young males that are wandering around, and few, if any, females in the state. When we had a few females over the past 10 to 15 years actually move into Mississippi from Arkansas, from Louisiana, and stay here, they were actually bred in Mississippi by Mississippi bears and had cubs here and stayed, kind of set up housekeeping in Mississippi. Uh, but we've not, we have not uh, translocated or moved bears from other states into Mississippi. Um, I, I get that question a lot about uh, the benefits of bears, uh, especially from from folks maybe that, that have a, a corn feeder and the bears are tearing it up and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, bears were historically a part of, of the wildlife resource of the state. Um and anytime you get a kind of a healthy ecosystem, again, you're you know that you've got you know things are are right uh, with nature, so to speak. Um, the it, what I tell people too that that kind of have problem with bears, um, I compare it to the alligator uh, that for years twenty twenty five years was listed as, as an endangered species and was protected. Um, it was brought back to where we had a, a limited hunting season uh, starting in Louisiana and then in Mississippi. And I think this is the 12th year in Mississippi that we've had a, a limited uh, hunt. So a lot of people that are interested in just hunting bears, um, I kind of use that as an example that, you know, given time, given the protection, uh, the animals will come back and, and, and be part of a, a healthy ecosystem and be a renewable wildlife resource again. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with our guest, Richard Rummel, the acting black bear program leader at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. So if you have a question about bears, you can call in. Dr. Major's here from the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, so we're looking for your pet questions as well. The phone lines are open, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring The number to call is one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. You can also send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more of the show after this. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Hey, y'all, I'm Felder Rushing. Ain't it a great day? Now, my truck stands out around town. A garden in the back will do that. You can make your car truck stand out with the new MPB Car Tag. MPB Car Tag. It's a great way to show your support for MPB. Visit mpbonline.org and sign up for yours today. Woohoo! This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hey, 
And welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. And our guest today is Richard Rummel, acting black bear program leader for the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. We're talking about bears, but also taking some pet questions this morning. We've got some open phone lines. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We have got a caller on the line, so let's go to Mobile and say good morning to Mikey. Hello, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Um, uh, beautiful morning here. I hope it is there, too. Um, uh, the bear, this is a fascinating bunch of stuff for me. I mean, it really is. Um, I have, uh, as a hurricane, couple of hurricane survivorship, um, I have a, a band of um, a border around my property. Not all of it is, and it's not, it's not, it's not a huge estate or anything, uh, but it is waterfront property. And as I was driving down the uh, uh, to look at other people's stuff the other day, I, you know, I thought, well, you know, there's no way that a black bear could be here. Um, but as I was driving down, and I looked, and there were all these people with a whole bunch of acreage that is also waterfront or near waterfront because it's a river. And uh, um, when you talk about the alligators being in the same sort of territory, well, I got alligator territory, and there have been manatees seen not far from this area. So, um, and my second question is, uh, I mean, could there be black bears here is my first question. Um, there are wild rabbits. There are, of course, raccoons and all possums, you know, um, all kinds of birds, including the waterfowl, uh, lots of pines. Uh, on, as I say, it's, it's not that wide of a strip of, of border to it. So I would think that it would be not that I don't know, not a place where a bear could invisibly build. But then I didn't think that the rabbits could either until I was walking around the other day. Where are you located? Where do you live? Beg pardon? Where do you live? I live um, uh, off of a uh, a wide part of a river in Mobile. Okay. Um, I'm not sure exactly. I, I know that area down through there north of Mobile. Uh, Citronelle up through there. Not, not far from the bay. Okay. And I don't know. I know there's a growing, there's a breeding population of bears in that area. Uh, Auburn University is working with the uh, Alabama Game and Fish Commission. Uh, they have a lot of bears, uh, radio collar down through there. I know that's a breeding and a growing population of bears uh, through that, that whole lower Alabama. And I'm not sure, I, you know, I couldn't say specifically how close you are to it or, or, or where they are. Uh, but I know in, in that general area, there are bears. So, so I could call Auburn university, which I am a war Eagle, I should say, graduate, <laughs> um, uh, but not in, in, uh, you know, botany or biology. <laughs> I should have paid more attention. Um, uh, uh, and am paying more attention now, so I can call them and find out? I, I would think so, yes. All righty. And my second question is, uh, having uh, dogs who are, <laughs> I kind of keep a watch on them because the alligator thing, of course, um, uh, who are, would maybe be a mouthful, <laughs> okay? Um, uh, would bears be a real danger? And and also, are dogs dogs and and bears come from the same? Don't, aren't they both canines? No, no. Bears are are ursines or or ursids. Uh, generally, bears uh, will run from dogs. I mean, you know, in places where there are where there's bear hunting and dogs are allowed, um, you know, they run from bear. Uh, they won't run from dogs. Uh, they're not likely to attack them unless unless they're cornered. Uh, generally, they want to be away from them. If we get sighting sometime or somebody will call and say the dogs were barking, a bear came through the yard, and their dogs were barking, and the bear ran up a tree. Um, so unless unless a dog maybe corners a bear where there's no escape, um, it's it's not likely to attack it. All right, Mikey, always good to hear from you. Let's move on next. We have uh, Mississippi Transportation Commissioner Dick Hall is on the line. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Oh, well, good morning. Good morning. Y'all mentioned the, uh, the Theodore Roosevelt uh, Visitor Center. Yes. going to be built in the Delta. We had the groundbreaking yesterday. All oh, right. Fantastic. Extremely interesting event. Uh, the president's great-great-grandson 
Mr. Simon Roosevelt from New York was there and uh, made some very interesting remarks. And also the grandniece of Hope Collier, oh, wow. who, of course, was, was the ex former slave that was, uh, that was asked to you know, go find the bear for the president to shoot. Yes. And uh, even more interesting, they have discovered the skull of the bear in the back room of the Smithsonian. And the reason they know it's the skull, it's got a dent in it, and that's supposedly Hope Collier jumped off his horse, took his rifle, and hit the bear in the head to stun it <laughs> so he could take it back for the president. <laughs> uh, extremely, extremely, and they're, they're going to put that, hopefully alone, to our facility here. So oh. it, was, it, it was a good event, and it's going to be a great um, addition for the tourism in the state, located about a mile out of the Onward store there on Highway 61 north of Vicksburg. All right. That's good. I'm sorry I missed that. I, I knew that was I knew that was coming soon. I knew it's been in the works for a long time, but that's that's great to hear they got the got it on on board and, and rolling. It's underway. All righty. Hey, thanks for the information. Thanks, thanks for calling. Uh, I guess now might be a time to. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe most people know about it, but tell tell us again the the story of the of the teddy bear and and Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. It, it it's really great. It's uh and. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, you know, in the in the 1800s, the Mississippi Delta was was primarily bottomland hardwood and cane breaks, and uh, it was it was the destination to, for bear hunters uh, in the eastern U.S. and uh, actually the Midwest and eastern U.S. would come to Mississippi and Louisiana to to hunt bears. Um, President Roosevelt, back then, was was quite a sportsman, uh, one of the earliest wildlife conservationists. Uh, around and uh, he was invited to come down to uh, where Mr. Hall was talking about the Smeeds Plantation right outside of Onward in, in Sharkey County to hunt bear. Um, his guide was chosen as Holt Collier, African American uh, guide. He uh, Holt worked for a lot of the plantations, supplying game and meat for uh, for the plantations. Uh, excellent bear hunter and guide so he was chosen uh for roosevelt's guide uh as they met there at smeed's plantation and uh and went out through uh toward the little sunflower river uh in that area to hunt uh holt told the president he put him on a stand out in the woods and he said now you stay here and he said i'm going to take my my hounds uh and you don't move I'm going to run a bear by you. So he guaranteed him that. So this morning went on, the president actually, you know, heard the bears barking, and then it seemed like they were getting farther away. So the president was getting hungry, and he decided to go back to camp for lunch and eat. Well, it's a short time later that Holt's dogs actually ran a bear right by where the president was supposed to be sitting. Uh, he wasn't there, and uh, the the dogs ran the bear in a, into a slough there, and the bear turned on the dogs and started attacking them. Uh, one of them, his, his favorite dog, Jocko, uh, was getting hammered on pretty hard. So Holt jumped off his horse and literally did whack the bear in the skull <laughs> with, the, with the butt of his rifle. And the stunned bear, he tied him to a tree and rode back to camp to get the president to say, you know, hey, I got your bear. <laughs> so... President Roosevelt rode back out there and saw the condition. And being the sportsman that he was, he believed in he was a hunter, but he believed in fair chase, and he refused to shoot the bear that was tied to a tree. Uh, and and contrary to the to the uh, cartoon that came out of it, uh, that showed a little bear cub tied to a tree, it wasn't. It was a full grown bear. <laughs> uh, at any rate. Um, there was a lot of national press on, on that trip with, uh, with the president, not actually in the woods, but back at the Smeeds station. And uh, a big deal was made out of it, the fact that the president refused to shoot a bear. And um, anyway, the cartoon uh, came out, and then there was a, um, a toy maker in New York who made stuffed animals and got the idea of... of calling this teddy bear and actually contacted the president asked him if he could use his name and and back then you know they didn't think too much about royalties or, <laughs> or anything like that and he didn't think he said sure go ahead i don't care so 
So literally, the teddy bear was born in Sharkey County, Mississippi. That's such a cool story. <laughs> That's a great part of our history here. We got another caller on the line. This time, we're going to go to Brooks in Vicksburg. Good morning, Brooks. Go ahead. Yes. Good morning, y'all. Uh, I just want to comment on how much how, how much they look like dogs when they're on pole feet. Uh, yeah, and in, in fact, that's um, late in the day. We, a couple of years ago, we we kind of did a, uh, I guess, a campaign um, about bears and the, the similarity between bears and hogs, uh, particularly people that are hunting late in the day and uh, and you know looking out and seeing a dark silhouette and assuming it's a hog and it may be a bear. Um, Naturally, we, you know, with the with the situation with wild hogs in the state, our uh, Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks want people to shoot hogs at every legal opportunity. Uh, but at the same time, again, late in the day, early in the morning, even you know, when someone's hunting and sees a dark figure, um, the silhouette can uh, a hog can resemble a bear, and we just encourage folks to be very careful and always be sure of what your target is before you shoot. All right, Brooks, thanks for your call. We need to take one final break this hour. We'll get back. We'll wrap up the program. We've been visiting today with Richard Rummel, the acting black bear program leader at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Been talking about bears, but Dr. Major is here as well, ready to take your pet question. Back to wrap up Creature Comforts after this. and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Facebook called him a lowly spammer. They never thought he'd become a champion for user rights. Nobody up until that point had ever had the courage to publicly say to users that they don't control their data. I'm Audie Cornish, Stephen Vachani, and the lawsuit that may force Facebook to relinquish control over your profile. Next time on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libya Hartfield's out this week, but we do have a guest in studio. It's Richard Rummel, acting black bear program leader for the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. We've been talking about black bears this morning, about bears. Also, uh, taking a couple of pet questions. Give us a call if you'd like to join the conversation. We have open phone lines at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 877 Six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Richard, uh, Mikey had called in earlier asking, uh, you know, if, if she might have bears in her area. And you mentioned that they're very secretive, kind of private, keep to themselves. What are, though, some sites uh, that someone might see if, if bears have been in the area? What might uh, someone uh, be able to tell that they've been around? Uh, generally, you look for tracks. Uh, of course, uh, I don't know when the last time it, it rained in, in central Mississippi, but <laughs> it's hard to find an animal track. Uh, but, you know, like I said, they're, they're secretive. The people that they're seeing most this time of year, the hunters that are starting to get into the woods, and, and maybe uh, particularly if they're hunting from a tree stand and, and they're quiet and they're, they're in an area where, where bears are, um, are seeing them, uh, you know, People get lucky and are driving down the road and a bear crossing in front of them. Um, 
I've been fooling around with bears for, you know, all my adult life in Mississippi and never seen one that we didn't have in a trap. Or, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, generally the pretty much all of the counties along the Mississippi River from, you know, from the Tennessee uh, line all the way down through Wilkinson County, all those areas, uh, and even not even not just the woods, uh, inside the levee, what we call the bachelor land, the, the bottomland hardwoods, but then outside the levee, um, the guy was talking earlier about the Homie uh, National Wildlife Refuge, uh, Delta National Forest, those areas, but also those uh, agriculture lands that border those um, bears will travel up wooded corridors, up stream corridors, and uh, and also they'll feed, you know, just just recently i think the kind of the end of the harvesting of corn up through the delta we we kind of monitor that bears like to feed on waste corn um we do have reports bears will get out and and feed on corn um not to the extent that they do in some areas where they really cause a lot of damage we try to stay in touch with farmers and and our folks in the county to to monitor that and i'll always question you know is anybody getting any corn damage? And he said, oh, and, you know, they're more worried about the hogs than the bears. So, <laughs> so that makes the bears get an easy out there. But really, and, and like I said, the coastal area, I say the coast, the three coastal counties north, up, you know, toward Hattiesburg, that area, it's not unusual at all for, for a bear sighting these days. So we relived the story of the teddy bear and Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, tell us about the Great Delta Bear Affair. All right. It's coming up here soon. Uh, October 22nd, uh, a week from this Saturday. This is something that, that kind of started off uh, uh, a committee of us that are interested in bear conservation in the state. Uh, we were having a meeting. This was back in 2001, and we were meeting, and we said, you know, well, next year is the 100th anniversary of Teddy Roosevelt's hunt in, in the Delta and the teddy bear, and, uh, you know, maybe we ought to have some kind of celebration or something um, so our mind started, you know, kind of working and, uh, one of, one of the persons on the committee was from the Rolling Fork area and she said, well, I'll go back and just, you know, talk to some of the locals, see what they think about having a little celebration here. Um, she did that. The folks were welcome, said, yeah, that sounds great. So the first Great Delta Bear Fair was in, in 2002. Um, this year will be the 16th annual. It has grown every year. It is an fun-filled family festival. Um, there's music throughout the day. There's a stage starting with gospel music. Uh, we try to uh, cater to every taste of music from, uh, of course, the blues, rock and roll, country, gospel, everything in between. There are kids' games. Um, there, I'm just looking at the schedule here. It starts with the teddy bear color run. Uh, Local archaeologist uh, does the prehistoric mound, Indian mound tours through the area. Uh, Terry Vandeventer, who's been on here before, does his Mississippi snake presentation. There's just a lot of activities for kids all all day as well. We have about 70 to 75 arts and crafts and food vendors. Uh, we added a selfie scavenger hunt this year. Um, and and one of the really neat things is there's a, a Teddy Roosevelt impersonator, Case Hicks, who's worked with us for probably 10 years now. He actually comes in about Tuesday and does uh, several presentations leading up to the to the day itself. Uh, the main thing, and I think Wednesday morning, uh, that prior to, he's going to be over at the Museum of Natural Science. Uh, Thursday, and this is something that he's done for years, um, he goes to the Batson Children's Hospital and gives away teddy bears to all the kids. Actually, this year, the uh, First Lady, Miss Bryant, is going to be reading teddy bear story uh, to the kids. And uh, so that's always an exciting thing. Friday is the Ed Day. We have uh, four or 500 local fourth graders from that area up for an educational day. And then Saturday is just the day long. Come and you know plan to spend the day in Rolling Fork. It, it's uh, the the town has really embraced the the whole bear uh, culture and all, and it's just uh, and the great thing about it is it's free. It doesn't cost a dime to get in. Uh, and again, there's food, there's arts and crafts, there's there's everything to do for uh, educational 
plus kids, just fun things to do. All right. And that is, as you said, a week from Saturday, that, which would be October 22nd. October 22nd. It starts, uh, if you want to, it starts about 9 in the morning from the uh, the fun run and also the music and uh, and goes to the Greyhounds, the last band that plays, and uh, they start at 6.30. And then at dark, we have uh, one, a fantastic fireworks display. I uh, just want to mention a couple of the of the entertainment uh, we had this year. We decided to kick it up a little bit. Paul Thorne, who is from Tupelo, Paul Thorne will be there. And uh, also Jerica Singleton, uh, local mm-hmm. uh, uh, Blues Award winner, his band will be there. Plus all day long, there's, there's just something going on throughout the day. All right. Sounds like a good, uh, good time to spend a Saturday. We've got another caller on the line, so we say hello to Robert in Meridian. Go ahead, Robert. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, curious, uh, will a black bear hunt uh, a wild hog? Uh, you know, generally in this part of the in just part of the country, they they don't uh, bears. And I should have mentioned this earlier when we were talking about their diet. They eat uh, ninety to ninety five percent of of a of a black bear's diet in the eastern U.S. is plant material, uh, whether it's uh, you know, fruits, nuts, acorns, that sort of thing, and a very small amount is actually animal matter, and that's usually in the case of of ants and grubs and uh, that sort of thing that they'll tear into a into a log. Um, they will eat carrion. Uh, we've talked to some hunters that maybe have killed a deer late in the afternoon and and couldn't retrieve it till the next morning, and there might be a bear on it. But generally, in this part of the uh, the country, bears do not not attack and, and eat prey. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Robert. Uh, so we've got about a minute or two left. Uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about um, hibernation. And I guess I've heard that it doesn't really get quite cold enough in the winter for the bears to go in, in, in full hibernation. Is, is that true? Yeah. And, and actually, there's some you know researchers that are looking at almost trying to redefine hibernation. But in this part of the country, uh, you know, they will go into a kind of a lethargy. They will. And, and again, we, we were talking earlier about our winters, how cold and mild, you know, or mild they are lately. Uh, bears will slow down, particularly females. Females that are pregnant give birth in, in late January. So if they are pregnant, they will den up, whether it's a ground den or a tree den. Um, and... Uh, and so that so they will be males. A lot of times, if we have a real mild winter, they may sleep for a couple of days and then just wander around. The whole deal with with hibernation and that sort of thing and winter inactivity is lack of food. Uh, if there's nothing to eat, you know, lay around and sleep and, and live off that that energy, the what you've stored up. Um, that they just lower their metabolism tremendously. If if uh, a female is pregnant and is in a, in a den and going to give birth, um, the metabolism just shuts down almost completely. She's living off the fat reserves she's built up through the fall, eating acorns and that sort of thing. All right, great. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Funding provided in part by the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science Foundation and contributions from listeners like you. So for Dr. Troy Major and our guest Richard Rummel, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White and Sam Wells. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.